0: Good morning, and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you back to our study in the book of Joshua. It's a fascinating and exciting study as we're looking through chapter by chapter. What we've seen is we've seen the Israelites who were in slavery in Egypt. God rescued them, God brought them out, God helped them to cross the Red Sea. They then wandered in the wilderness. Disobeying God over 40 years and God in his love and in his mercy was to bring them in desired to bring them in to the promised land God through a mighty miracle enabled them to cross the Jordan River And just in our last time together we saw the mighty miracle of God conquering the city and the walls of Jericho And so God is about to bring them in. They've conquered Jericho. He's bringing them to their promised land. But this morning we venture into the issue and the topic of secrets. See, as their wedding day approached, a young couple grew nervous and apprehensive. Each one had a problem they had shared before with no one, not even each other the groom-to-be decided to ask his father for advice. Dad, he said, I'm concerned about the success of my marriage. I love my fiancé very much, but I have an issue. I have a problem. It's a big problem. I have smelly feet. I'm afraid that my future wife here is going to find them and me disgusting. No problem, said his father. All you have to do is wash your feet as often as possible and always, always, always wear socks, even to bed. The young man thought that this sounded like a workable solution to his problem. Likewise, the bride-to-be decided to take her problem to her mom. Mom, she said, When I wake up in the morning, my breath is bad. I mean, we're not talking about morning breath breath. We're talking terrible, awful breath. Her mother advised her. She said, in the morning, get straight out of bed, head straight to the bathroom, rinse your mouth with mouthwash, brush your teeth. Do not say one word until you brush them. You hear me? Not one word. The bride-to-be thought that that suggestion certainly seemed worth a try. Well, the loving couple was married in a beautiful ceremony and each one not forgetting the advice that they'd received from their family members, he with his perpetual socks and she with her morning silence, they managed quite well for a number of months. About six months into their marriage, shortly before dawn, the husband woke up, horrified to find that one of his socks had come off in the night. Fearful of the disastrous consequences, he frantically started searching through the bed. This, of course, woke up his bride. Without even thinking, being awoken, she blurted out, what on earth are you doing? To which he gasped, Oh no! Recoiling in shock, You've swallowed my sock. <laughs> secrets. Maybe those are not your secrets. But you and I have secrets, and many times we try to hide, we try to cover up, we try to deflect attention from our secrets. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 6, as we look at the very last verse of chapter 6 before jumping into chapter 7. In chapter 6, this was the conquering of Jericho. And remember, they had been given some specific instructions. You're to walk around the city one time each day for the first six days. You walk around the city. On the seventh day, the Israelites were to walk around the city seven times, they would walk around quietly. The priests would blow the trumpets and everybody would shout and the walls would come down. It was an incredible plan. It was not a military plan. It was a God plan. And we saw how God, through His power, brought the walls down. Now, besides those instructions, we see further instructions in chapter 6 God's instructions through Joshua to the Israelites, and there were certain things they were supposed to do. They were to destroy the city, everything in the city. They were then to keep themselves from any of the devoted things, and they were to bring some of the sacred things to God. They were to keep none of it for themselves. So not only were there instructions about marching around the walls, there were instructions about what to do after God brought the walls down. And what we see, this very last verse of chapter 6, verse 27, it reads like a powerful conclusion to this story. It says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land we say, wow, this is awesome. God's bringing the Israelites in. They're obeying. God's just destroying the walls around this incredibly fortified city. He's bringing them to the land He has promised. And now things are going incredible. We'll turn to the very next verse, which is the first verse of the very next chapter, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. See, chapter 6 ends with a bang. Incredible things that God's doing. But chapter 7 starts with a really, really big but. But the Israelites were unfaithful. How many of you know sometimes that little three-letter word gets snuck, uh, sneaked in there sometimes? You know, you're a great guy, you're a great girl and everything, but. You're an incredible hard worker, but. But. That word but is included and it really is a big contrast to what came before it. The Lord was with Joshua. His fame spread throughout the land but in contrast, Israelites were unfaithful. Here's a reality. The reality is that Oftentimes, victory and celebration is followed by temptation. Victory or celebration is often followed by temptation and the possibility of defeat. So we see a number of failures here. In contrast to incredible victory after victory after victory of these first six chapters of Joshua. So chapter 7 has a lot to teach us about the devastating consequences and effects of sin. So what we see in chapter 7, we won't read every verse together this morning, but following this victory now, Joshua sends spies out to a town called Ai. The spies return with a report that says, this town is pretty small. There's not much to it. I mean, we just completely annihilated Jericho. Ai is a tiny blip. We don't need too many people. Let's just send two to 3,000 of our army. We don't need the entire armed forces. The difference is that God was not with them because there was sin, there was disobedience in the camp. Now, they sent their two or 3,000 who they thought would just wipe the floor with AI, and instead they were soundly defeated. They ran away in defeat, and they lost 36 of their men. Now, we look at that and we say, oh, what's the big deal? I mean, 36 out of two to 3,000, that's a tiny loss. However, that is the only loss recorded in the book of Joshua, the only time in the book of Joshua we see this army losing lives. There was sin, secrets in the camp. So this morning, in the balance of our time, I want to help us walk through a little bit about the secrets of sin. Here's the first secret of sin. Sin isn't little. Notice in verse 1, it says that they were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan took some of them. Achan took some of these things. He probably thought his sin was small. He probably thought it was insignificant. God said, destroy the city. God said, don't take anything. And God said certain things were to be brought to the Lord. Those were his clear instructions. In many other victories, in many other future battles, they were able to keep some of those spoils, if you would, for themselves. This was the first one as they were going into battle, as they were going into the rest of the promised land, and God very clearly said not to. Did Achan keep everything for himself? No. It says he kept some. If you drop down into verse 21, you say, didn't sound like he took a lot. I mean, in proportion to everything that was out there, verse 21 says he took a beautiful robe, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Now, certainly there's some valuable stuff there. A nice robe and silver and a bar of gold. How many of you have a bar of gold just laying around? So, I mean, there certainly was some value there, right? But in... Proportion to the amount of silver and gold and spoils an entire city? It was a pretty small amount. But was that sin? Yes. They were instructed not to take anything and even one robe, 20 shekels of silver, and one bar of gold was sin. He had disobeyed. What Achan did, and sometimes what you and I do, is we will justify our sin, right? We compare our sin many times to others. Okay, everybody look at the people on the other side of the sanctuary, okay? Now, as you're looking at somebody on the other side of the sanctuary, you're probably thinking, you know what? What? I'm probably better than some of those people. I mean, they look like some scoundrels over there. I can only imagine what they might have been doing, what they might have been saying. And if we're not careful, we compare ourselves to other people that we see, and we say, okay, maybe I've messed up, but I haven't messed up as much as he has or as much as she has. Maybe I do this, but at least I'm not like him because he does that. And so sometimes if we're not careful, we look to justify our sin and say, well, in comparison to this person, my sin's are really not that bad. I mean, it's a little sin. It's not a huge deal. I mean, in comparison to what I heard this person did, my sin's really not that bad. We say, well, I only did it once. One sin is not that bad. It's not a big deal. I mean, I didn't really even enjoy doing that sin. So it must not be a big deal. I mean, we can go on and on justifying, minimizing our sin to say it's small and little and insignificant. But small and little and insignificant sin is sin. And there was instructions of God and Achan disobeyed. See, many times we have a rather weak definition of what sin is. Came across this. This was how Susanna Wesley defined sin to her young son, John Wesley. She said this, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, and takes off the relish of spiritual things, that to you is sin. Now, we could spend a lot of time thinking about that, but what it basically does is it challenges us, and God's Word challenges us, That a lot of things that we justify and a lot of things that we minimize are still sin. Sin isn't merely little. The reality is that sin isn't little, sin carries some big and great consequences. Think about Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden, and with one sin, they disobeyed God and ate from a tree they were not supposed to eat from. They were banished from the garden. Separation from God. How about Moses? As they took the children of Israel, God used him to bring them out of Egypt. They're wandering in the wilderness. God instructs Moses to speak to a large rock and he's going to provide water from it. Well, that's incredible. Moses did not speak to the rock. He hit it. He struck it. That act of, of disobedience, and Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. God then used Joshua in his place, even with that one sin. Look to the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, who lied about something, some pretty serious consequences as a result. Whether it's one time, whether it's tiny or small, sin is sin. Is it okay to cheat on an exam? Just one time. Is it okay to steal from your boss or your job? Just one time. Is it okay to cheat on your spouse, but just one time? Time and again, even in today's society, we see there are consequences from sin. Let us see sin as God sees it. It's a transgression against him. Psalm 51.4 says, Against you, and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You see, the first secret of sin is that sin isn't little. Secondly, sin affects others. I mean, Achan might have thought it's my life, it's my business, and we think that too. I do what I want, it doesn't affect anybody around me, it's my life, my choice, my decision. But Achan's sin didn't just affect him. It affected many others. Verse 1, the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Verse 11, he said, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant. His sin put Israel on the hook. God was holding the entire nation accountable. Because of that, God, his power and his presence, they were not with the Israelites as they went to try to conquer Ai. 36 individuals lost their lives in the battle. And then down in verse 24, as his sin is exposed, Achan and his entire family lost their lives. His sin truly affected others. Know this, our sin isn't just our sin. Our sin affects more than us. It affects ourselves. It affects our families. It affects our churches, our areas, our communities, our witness for Christ as we represent the Lord. No matter how secret the sin, it spills over. What's done in private has a public effect. Others always tend to suffer as a result. Put it like this. Once upon a time, a rat looked through a crack in the wall to see the farmer and his wife opening a package. He was horrified to discover the package was a rat trap. Retreating to the farmyard, the rat proclaimed the warning, there's a rat trap in the house, a rat trap in the house. Warning, a rat trap in the house. The chicken clucked and scratched and raised her head and said, Excuse me, Mr. Rat. I can tell that this is of grave concern to you, but it is of no consequence to me. I am simply not bothered by it. The pig sympathized. I am so very sorry, Mr. Rat, but there is nothing I can do about it but pray. Be assured that you are in my prayers. The cow said, huh, Big deal, Mr. Rat. A rat trap. I'm not scared of a rat trap. I'm not in danger. So the rat returned to the house, head down and dejected, to face the farmer's rat trap alone. That very night, a sound was heard throughout the house, like the sound of a rat trap catching its prey. The farmer's wife rushed to see what was caught. In the darkness, she did not see that it was a venomous snake whose tail the trap had caught. As she got close, the venomous snail bit the farmer's wife, who was then rushed to the hospital. She returned home with a serious and severe illness and fever. Now you know, everyone knows, you treat a fever with some homemade... Chicken soup. So the farmer took his hatchet to the farmyard for the soup's main ingredient. Unfortunately, his wife's sickness continued so that friends and neighbors came to sit and visit with her around the clock. To feed them, the farmer butchered the pig. Still, the farmer's wife did not get well. She died. Many people came to her funeral so many, in fact, that the farmer slaughtered the cow to provide meat for everyone to eat. So you see, the next time you hear someone say they're facing a problem and they believe that their actions do not face or affect anyone else, remember, when there's a rat trap in the yard, everyone is at risk. What's true about the rat and the rat trap is true about us. Our sin isn't just little. Our sin affects others. Thirdly, the secret of sin is that sin doesn't stay a secret. No doubt, Achan thought that the tent and the ground would keep his secret, He had dug a hole and buried what he had taken in his tent. Sometimes we do the same thing. We try to cover up our sin. Sometimes a lie is given to try to cover it up and then a lie needs to be made to cover up the lie that covered up the sin. And on and on and on. See, eventually what's on the... Inside comes out. Here's a verse of Scripture that no doubt you've all heard. Your parents have probably mentioned. Your grandparents. Numbers 32, 23 says you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Someone kind of put that in a modern-day twist, and they said sin is like rust. If it's there, eventually it will show up. You might be able to fool your pastor, your board, teachers, family, co-workers and boss and neighbors and community people, but each and every one of us needs to know the truth. Our sin doesn't stay secret. There is someone who truly knows all. We can't fool God. It's always better to come clean before getting caught. Achan had opportunity. In Joshua chapter 7, Joshua announces to the people that the next day, everybody's to cleanse and to purify, to consecrate themselves, and they're going to come before the Lord. Achan had an opportunity to confess. He did not. Can't you see him sweating it out? As the next day, the word of God says, they bring all of the people out and they separate them into the 12 tribes of Israel. He's got to be feeling pretty good about himself, right? He is a part of one tribe and there are 12. And it sounds like Joshua's going to pick one. So if you're an odds kind of person, he's got an 11 out of 12 chance that they pick someone else's tribe, right? He's in one tribe. And what happens? The tribe of Judah is called forward. Now he gets maybe to sweat just a little bit because he's from the tribe of Judah. Next, out of everyone in these tribes, they call them forward clan by clan. And they call the Zarahite clan. Well, now he's sweating bullets because he's a part of the Zarahite clan. And in the Zarahite clan, there are families included, and they call forward the family of Zimri. He's burning up on fire, it's getting personal, too close for comfort. He's a part of the Zimri family. And now, from that family, out of all those family members, Achan is called forward, caught. I don't know how long this process might have taken to complete,
1: but he had advanced
0: notice the day before they were to assemble before the Lord. There was something wrong in the camp. The day before he could have come clean. Any time through, from the tribe, to the clan, to the family, to the member, he stayed silent. Why do you think that was? Probably the same reason why you and I stay quiet. We think we'll get away with it. Right? Nobody will know. Nobody will say. Covering sin up makes matters worse, and oftentimes we look more foolish. Joshua chapter 7 shows us sin isn't little. Sin affects others. Sin doesn't stay secret. Finally this morning, sin keeps us from God's best. We think that we will be successful no matter what. The reality is, True victory is impossible when there is unconfessed sin. Let us stop the sin, repent, which means to turn from sin, to turn to God, because the condition of our heart is a serious matter. Everything in our hearts, everything in our lives, our our actions, our attitudes, our speech, our lusts, greed... Lies, gossip, bitterness. Boy, we could go on and on with all kinds of stuff. That's sin that keeps us from God. See, God's presence was not to be with the Israelites until they dealt with their sin. We must be cleansed and purified. We're desiring God and his presence in our lives, wanting his best in our lives. Let us be sure to have confessed sin. Maybe the sin in our lives is small. Here's the thing. Romans chapter 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God not a one of us are off the hook every single one of us including the person who you are listening to this morning every single one of us have sinned the bible says that we have the opportunity to confess to ask for forgiveness when we do he gives us a brand new start and enables us to receive his best. Just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity, each and every one of us, an opportunity to respond. I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Right now, there's that nudge and that prompting of the Lord in our hearts and in our lives. Some messages about certain topics, and we sit and we say, I'm sure that's good for so and so, and I hope that's good for so and so, and they better be paying attention because they really need this. A message like today involves and applies to every single one of us. I want to encourage you this morning to understand some secrets about sin. Sin is not little, sin is not inconsequential. Sin does affect others around us. Sin does not stay a secret. And sin keeps us from receiving the best God has for our lives.